Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. A shot on your phone or whatever, please feel free to do so. Uh, it won't in any way put me off. But our message for the next few weeks is let's uh, have a uh, let's talk about faith or let, let, there we go, let's talk about faith. And last week your pastor, Josh, began as we did across all the campuses by talking about saving faith. There was an element of strong gospel in it, even though every Sunday, and we'll do so again this morning, we give an opportunity, whatever the subject, to give people an opportunity to respond to Jesus. And, uh, but last week we felt in terms of just planning the ministry that we had to go right back to the fact is you cannot get to know God, you cannot get into a relationship with God, you cannot go on the Christian journey without that step of faith. It's got to be personal to you. Uh, you may have had a great uh, example from your grandparents or your parents, but you've got to step in, you've got to make a decision, you've got to respond, and it takes us on a journey. And from that foundation that's been laid, we're going to be looking at numbers of aspects of faith. It's a a Bible word, but it's also a word that gets used beyond Christianity. But certainly within Christianity, it's a huge subject right through the Old and New Testaments. And it would be impossible for us to talk about it just in one week. So we're going to try and break it down a little bit. Let me just remind you of the definition of faith before we come to our Bible verse And the definition of faith in the uh, Bible is a firm persuasion and conviction based upon hearing. A firm persuasion or conviction based upon hearing. Hebrews 11.1 says that faith is sure and certain. Not arrogant, not belligerent, but sure and certain. I've had people come to me over the years and say, Oh, Phil, I wish I could have your faith. You can You can. I'm nobody special. In fact, I am. I'm very special to God. And so are you. And if you will step into faith, it will bring a firm persuasion and conviction that will take you forward. How do we hear? Well, we hear through preaching. We hear through uh, communication. We hear through the internet. We hear through reading a book. We hear through an invitation to a special meeting. All sorts of ways. We believe that one of the primary ways that we hear is through the preaching of the word. So this morning, you may never have yet stepped into faith. This morning can be the starting point. I want to say without any fear of contradiction, it is the greatest decision that you could ever make in your life. And uh, here's an ordinary kid with not a lot seemingly going for me who stepped into faith, who said, I believe that God, you can do a better job with my life than I can on my own. And the adventure and the journey has been absolutely incredible. So let's come to our Bible verse this morning. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 7 and seven to 8. Are we going off and on? Oh, there we go. 1 Peter 1, verses 7 to 8, and a little bit of verse 9. And uh, those of you that uh, like to look in your Bible, uh, you can follow it or hopefully the screen will come right. But it says, Paul's talking to a church uh, that is being challenged and opposed for its faith. And in verse 7, he says, these 
What are these? These tests have come to you so that the proven genuineness, the trial of your faith, greater worth than gold may result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. And then we're going to a little bit of verse 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. That's faith. God's all over this meeting this morning, but we can't physically see him with our natural eye. But with the eye of faith, with the eye of the heart, we're here this morning, we're raising holy hands, we're being led in worship, we're being encouraged by your pastor to be passionate for God. Why are we doing that? Because we're doing it in faith. And so this morning, for a little time, we're going to talk about a subject that may not seem, oh, wonder where we're going with this. I, w- I really want to use it to encourage us and to build us up. But we're going to talk about the trial of faith or the test of faith. And if you're a believer and you're going on the journey of being a Christian, you're going to get the test of faith. Let me just nail it right there and then. And the thing is, How are we going to navigate it? And what are the blessings of our faith being tested? Now, let me just use very briefly two T words in the Bible and try and make a distinction between them because sometimes we get messed up. And I'm going to move on pretty quickly here because my subject matter this morning is not temptation. But sometimes people think, Temptation is the test. It's it's different. There is, of course, a stretching in temptation. And then we get people saying, well, God made me do it. No, he didn't. The Bible says God will not tempt you to sin. But temptation, simplistically, often comes from within. And it's seeking to get it, it, it is seeking temptation, he's seeking to get us to give in to ungodly influences and causes to sin. That's what temptation is. Oh, and here's the revelation. Because you're a Christian, you still get tempted. Oh, I remember somebody once, he'd been a Christian for six weeks and he'd come from a pretty bad background. He says, Phil, he says, I'm still tempted to swear. He says, and I'm still tempted to think wrong thoughts about people. I says, you know, six weeks ago, you wouldn't have given a rip about that. God is changing your life. And we become more aware of temptation. It's all around us through imagery, through all sorts of things. But let me just say to you this morning that God wants to help you in the area of temptation. He wants to help us to... Uh, deal with it now just to say that with temptation there's forgiveness if you've got something wrong this week don't spend the rest of 2022 walking around feeling guilty and shamed and head in the in the ground and Josh having to come say what's up with you mate well I got it wrong on uh, on uh, Saturday the first of October and I feel deal with it The Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. By the way, that's a word to the Christian church. Deal with it. Get forgiveness. Live free. Because God, when he forgave you, he forgave you past, present and future. But the reality is that God also wants us to be overcomers. 
I'm not talking about being sinlessly perfect, but I am talking about living and overcoming life. I am talking about you facing the world of work this week, living and overcoming life. And as we look at temptation, you need to expect it because it's coming. You need to detect it and then you need to reject it. And you know, if you reject it, it won't have any impact on you because temptation isn't sin. Yielding to it is the sin. Okay, let's move on to testing. And testing comes from without. And here's a little phrase I put. I put testing is the means through which the genuineness of your faith is proved. Character developed as the promises of God sustain us. And that's where we want to camp for a few minutes this morning. Testings. Saving faith takes us into the life of God. And it takes us forward in what he wants to do. Somebody said this about Jesus. He said, he said, some of Jesus' teachings hardly used a worldly way to win adherence. Because when Jesus taught in the Gospels, he's actually calling people to him. And as he's calling them to him, he's saying, you're going to get some tests. And you think, well, that would put everybody off. And millions today follow him. And are faced up to the challenge of living for Jesus. Now, let me just give a little context for 1 Peter. And it's a great book, and I encourage you to read it sometime. But in chapter 1 and verse 1, it says to God's elect, strangers or exiles, scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. In other words, why were they scattered? They were scattered because they were Christians. And in that early church, first century church, which was amazingly blessed, we think, oh, I wish I could live in the first century. Everything seemed to be great. The church was growing. Revival had come. Miracles were breaking out. Hang on, guys. Don't read the Bible through rose-coloured spectacles. There was persecution. There was opposition. There was tests. And so these people were being scattered. It's what we know as the diaspora. They were being scattered to places where they hadn't grown up, but where they had to flee to in in order to escape the persecution that was around them. And to that context, Peter is inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this book about the tests of faith. It says there that the letter, or rather, The letter's dated around about AD 64, 67. At that time, Emperor Nero, some of you know your history, would know that he wasn't a particularly nice emperor. Emperor Nero was unleashing his venom against devoted Christ followers. And those of you that like the films like Gladiator and all that will know some of the things that took place. They were pretty gruesome. Simply for people that were Jesus followers, like you and I. And so Peter writes this book and on at least seven occasions references in 1 and 2 Peter, his two letters to the scattered people of God about testings. And he says, guys, you're going through these testings. 
It's proving the genuineness of your faith. And don't you realise that your faith is much more precious than gold? So let's fast forward to the 21st century, October the 2nd. 2022 in Arena Church, Mansfield, with a group of people that have gathered together. And the reality is, and we don't have time to do it this morning, but if I went around the room individually, they would almost without exception be tests that are taking place in people's lives. Sometimes they come unexpected. Sometimes they come and they're unexplainable. There's no easy answer. Sharon and me have had to walk some people through some real tests in their life. It's no good me as pastor trying to come up with some cheap shot answer for what's taken place. Because it almost seems, humanly speaking, unexplainable. Sometimes you've just got to sit with people and weep with them. And comfort them through a particular storm in their life that doesn't seem to have any rhyme or reason. Other than Jesus is the king. And over it all, he knows and he sees. And then sometimes storms can be, and tests can be particularly uncomfortable. And this may be something where God is seeking, and we'll come to it a little bit later, seeking to deal with something in your character that needs redeeming. And the battle's on. Because you've said no. And I don't know whether you've been in one of them experiences where you're praying And the Holy Spirit said something to you about you and it's uncomfortable. You get off your knees and you move on to your day and say, well, God's forgot about that until the next time you pray. And it seems to be first on his agenda again of what he's speaking to you about. I'm calling you to yield. I'm calling you to deal with this situation. I'm calling you to face up to this thing. Testings. Not because he doesn't like you, but because he loves you and wants the best. For you. And as we yield, as we bow the knee, as we prostrate ourselves before the king, as we say, God, you can have that, God begins to do something in us. Now, God is always at work in our lives for a purpose, to position us to all of the will of God. Tests and trials come to our life as Christians, not because we're doing something wrong, but because we're doing something right. These people were expressing an extraordinary commitment and sacrifice to follow Jesus. Imagine today somebody bursts into the room and because of the opposition to faith, all of a sudden you've got to go and live in Birmingham. Well, Paul and Lynn won't mind that, but... but well, I want to live in Mansfield. No, you're part of the diaspora. You're scattered. You're off to Birmingham. You're off to Doncaster. Okay. You're off to London. You know, scattered. Yeah, but what about my house? Do you realize that in Syria today, a third of the 22 million people don't live in the house they used to live in because of the conflict there? Many of them Christians. Seven and a half million people not living where they used to live. One of the biggest towns in Jordan, just across the border, is a refugee town. It's 300,000 people, it's as big as Nottingham. A refugee city where people have had to be scattered, scattered. 
These people weren't doing anything wrong. They were doing everything right. And yet tests came to them. And as we heard earlier in the lead of the meeting, sometimes, oh, we want it all to be nice and cozy. When we became a Christian, we signed up for ease. And God was just going to stroke us. It's not like that. It's blood and guts. It's real life. It's God sorting us out. It's God taking us through. And sometimes it's hard. Eugene Peterson said in the message that God has us on display as evidence of his victory. So tests, they come. Expressions of the genuineness of our faith, much more precious than gold. And I'm going to give you three things as we come to the second part of the message that we'll run through briefly. Number one, the inevitability of tests. The inevitability of tests. You say, well, I've never been tested yet. It's coming. It's coming. And 1 Peter 4.12 says, don't be surprised at a fiery ordeal that has come to test you as though it was something strange concerning you. You know, I've had people march up at church at times as though they're the only person ever in Christendom that's had a test. And it pricks the bubble, said, join the club, guys. We're all in this. Everybody has to face some sort of test at some sort of time in their life. Now, why? Here's the why. Three brief things. Number one, fallenness. Man has fallen. And the disobedience of man in Genesis chapter 3, theologians call it the fall of man, had catastrophic consequences on the earth that still live out today. We are hit by imperfection. Poor decision-making, human mistakes and errors. Let me illustrate one. Whilst we were on holiday in Wales in the summer, we went to Aberfan, 1966. If you've been alive, you'll know the disaster. 124 children plus teachers and seniors swept away by that sliding coal tip that came down the hill and washed away the school. We stood on the site of the former school. Very powerful. And it was amazing when we went to the cemetery to see how many of the uh, gravestones gave glory to Jesus and committed it all to him. Now, we can pick over it and pick over it, but years before, people had told the coal board, you know that thing's going to come down one day, it's going to come, yeah, be all right, 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 be all right. Fallenness. Nobody deliberately wanted it to happen But we live in a fallen world. And sometimes it brings tests to us. Things go wrong. Oh dear. The car sometimes doesn't start. (laughs) Or again, if you're in Wales at the Asda station in Cardiff and can't get that petrol thing to come. And I've got this woman right up my bumper glaring at me. I want that. What it, I just ripped it off. It was about the only thing that went wrong with all that. I got it fixed this week. Things go wrong. And then aggressiveness. 
You know, this week you're going to find some people that don't like Christians. Oh dear. And in your world of work, they're not slow to say so. What about the keyboard warriors in the anonymity of the bedroom? Aggression. It's all over the place. It's all over. It's not nice at times. You know, sometimes some people just put some sweet thing on Twitter or Instagram and somebody's on there, you and they've read something into it that was never intended. All over the place, aggressiveness. Uh, I, I, I shared last time, Josh kinder let me share about our missions trip to Romania. And Romania is a very different nation now, but post-war through till 1990, part of the Eastern Bloc communism, one TV channel, all controlled through uh, President Ceausescu. And within that communist regime, Christians were like the diaspora. And I was talking to Jacob, an amazing senior man of the faith, whilst we're on holiday. Wonderful people. Just a great guy, just got some real presence about him, about 6'3", 70-odd years of age, full of vim and verve. He says, Phil, he says, when we uh, lived in this particular city in Romania during the communist regime, he says, one day we turned up at church and they completely demolished the building. There were no buildings. So he says, for the next six months, we used to turn up at the same time and have church with no walls. And we just worship God. And of course, you know in Romania, it gets pretty chilly in the winter. And so he says, and the communist regime got so fed up of us turning up because the gospel was going out to the community. They built us another church. (laughs) But aggression. Who'd like to come today and see this wonderful building on Leeming Street demolished by Mansfield District Council because they don't like us anymore? And if they did, what are we going to do about it? Oh, I don't know. We better finish that church. They've been against us. We're going to turn up next week, whatever's going, and face the test. I'm not suggesting you try it and they build you a new building, Josh, but, but you get the point. You get the point. And don't be put off by the aggressiveness out there, the aggressiveness of atheism, the aggressiveness of secularism, the aggressiveness of the media with their narrative. Don't be put off by it. Stand your ground. And then wickedness. It's an old-fashioned word, but Jeremiah the prophet says that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and who can know it? And the problem of the heart is the heart of the problem. We live in a wicked world. Some terrible, terrible things take place. And sometimes they bring us tests. We have people in this church that in their professional world are confronted by the wickedness of other people. It's a test. It's inevitable, guys. Don't think it's strange concerning you. Oh, God must have it in for me. Everybody else seems to be okay. Nobody else is going to be struggling paying their electricity and gas bills this month. It must just be me. It's It's not just you. It's all of us. It's all of us. The inevitability of tests. Number two, the necessity of tests. Here we go. That they may result in praise, glory, honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Guys, if you want revival, guess what? You're going to get tested. You're going to get tested. If you want to live like Jesus, guess what? Your character's going to get 
tested. God's going to dig deep. God's going to start talking to you about things in your life that you don't think matter. Oh, but they matter to him. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about priority. I'm talking about motive. I'm talking about attitudes. I'm talking about the things of the heart that God is after in us. Well, I just want to get saved. No, that's just the start. That's the problem. Some of us just want to get saved. Yes, you're going to heaven. But God so loves you, he wants to do more in you than just get you saved. If I'm going up in an aircraft at 38,000 feet, I want to know that the pilot's been tested. If I'm seeing somebody drive a 38-ton truck down the A38, I want to know that they've passed the test. If I'm I mean, to go to Kingsmill Hospital for some surgery, I want to know that the surgeon's been tested. And guess what? If the preacher's going to get up this morning and talk about things far more important than that, eternity, where are we going forever? You need to know he's been tested. And he has. He has. So, testing. You see, your conversion is the crisis, the start. Your discipleship is the process that draws in the tests. And as we've said in Arena so many times, God loves you just as you are, but he loves you far too much to leave you just as you are. Uh, As I was just reading a little bit, I found that gold is often extracted amongst many impurities. And so it is refined and processed by, for example, acid, fire, electricity, melting, cupulation, and numbers of other processes to bring it to its purity. And those of you that like jewellery will know that 24 karat gold is the most pure, 99.9% pure, is the most pure gold that you could possibly get. It's come out of a process. It was dug out of muck and mire and all sorts of things around it. You wouldn't have bought, bought that to put around your neck or around your wrist. You needed somebody that says, we're committed to the process of refining this gold so that it's saleable at an expensive price. And your faith is much more valuable than God's. And when you put your life in the hands of the Father, he says, I'm going to process it. I'm going to process it. Somebody said this, one of the supreme handicaps of the church of Jesus Christ today is too many distant followers and too few disciples. Time's going. But here's three ways that God brings the necessity of testings. Number one, shapiness. Shapiness. So that the work in us may be finished. And then strengthening us. Because testings produce perseverance. We're not keeling over every time we get an issue. We see it through. We get strong. We put some muscle on. We overcome. We prevail. And we become part of that vibrant church that Josh has envisioned us with this morning. And then there's a separating, not an isolating. We're in the world, but not of it. A separating, a clear separating line between those that aren't of God and those that are of God. All across this room, from your pastor 
to every person in every team, there is the more of God. And the more of God necessitates some tests so that we would be shaped and strong and prepared for all that God wants to do. And thirdly, not only the necessity of tests, and not only the inevitability of tests, but then we come finally to the productivity of tests. Though you do not see him physically, you love him and believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. The old translations, joy unspeakable and full of glory. And of course, we've got a hymn out of that. I want to close with a story and it's right up to date. You see, the, contradic- the Christian contradiction of tests is that we can know joy. And that may not mean that you're walking around with a big cheesy grin on your face because of the test you're going through. But in here, there's an overwhelming gladness. And the Bible says in the parallel passage to this in the next book, James, that when you go through tests, consider it pure joy. It doesn't seem to make sense, but when you begin to see what God is doing, it brings joy. Just this week, Arm van der Bilt went to be with his Lord, 94 years of age. He was converted in the Dutch army around about 20 years of age. And in 1955, he felt led of God to go to a communist youth rally in Warsaw in Poland. Not to sign up for communism, but he had a suitcase full of gospel tracts and he began to hand them out. He became known as Brother Andrew. And some of you have read the book, God's Smuggler. And if you've not read the book, in honour of his death this week at 94, I encourage you to get it off Amazon. Even though it goes back quite a few years now, you'll be inspired. Because this man began to have a passion for the communist world. Very, very different now to, not the communist world anymore, but very, very different to uh, prior to the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989. And... Brother Andrew, as he became known, began an extraordinary mission that um, went time and time again into Eastern Bloc nations. And he became known as God's smuggler because he used to fill his car, his trusty blue Volkswagen Beetle that did tens of thousands of miles. And he'd fill it with Bibles and of course he got to go to the border. Now, in 1992, I went in a, in a lorry with some colleagues to take some humanitarian aid to Romania. I want to tell you that that Hungarian-Romanian border was one of the scariest places I've ever been to in life, and we were coming out of communism. It was literally hell on earth. It was horrible. And all them films you've seen about the barbed wire, it was all there. It was all there. Three blokes from the UK trying to take some stuff through to Romania. And anyway, you can see we got back. And... Uh, <clears throat> He went in again and again and he, said, he used to pray this prayer. He says, Jesus, you, you used to open the eyes of the blinds in the Gospels. I'm now asking you to close the eyes of the soldiers so that they don't see the Bibles. And again and again and again and again, he went through. And people said, we thought we were forgotten by the West. We thought nobody was interested in us. We thought that we were just lost. And now you're bringing us Bibles And God moved in a mighty way. Brother Andrew became the founder of Open Doors Ministry, one of our partner ministries in the church that supports the secret persecuted church even today. And he was knighted by the 
Queen of the Netherlands in 1993. But he says the proudest thing that he was most proud about was that the KGB had 150 pages of information on him and they could never stop him. They could never, ever stop him. He came to Jesus, saving faith. He allowed God to bring some tests to his life, shaping him, molding him, separating him unto the ministry for the productivity of tests. In his later years, he began to reach out to the Islamic world in love and grace. And nations have been touched and tens of thousands of people have been saved because of the work of a guy that went to the Eastern Bloc in his Volkswagen Beetle. What about us? Because Brother Andrew, this week, the Bible tells us, received the crown of life. And can I say again today, to everyone across this room, not just your pastor, who's passionate about taking the work of God forward, but ministry teams, people that are in the first throes of Christian faith, and those yet to step in, Let God, let God do what he wants to do with you. Sign up openly, freely, and deliberately to allow your faith to be stretched, to be tested, to prove its genuineness that is much more valuable than gold. And as we face up to the inevitability and we realize there's a necessity, not God against us, but God massively for us, it brings a productivity. Who's the next brother Andrew that's going to rise up? Yes, in a modern world with different methods to take the good news of Jesus across the nations of the earth. Who's going to allow God to stretch them and eat them out and deal with the impurities and knock them off to position us to a place that nothing will stop us going where he wants us to go? May God help us. And one final verse from the Old Testament. Oh, let me just go back. Sorry, Chris. I can't miss this quote. This is Brother Andrew. Open doors, not just talking about the ministry, Open doors are everywhere as long as people are willing to go and are not worried about coming back. He had to face that challenge a multitude of times. He was married, got five kids, but he passed the test. And finally, the Old Testament prophet, Zechariah, cries out an understanding of the challenge and blessing of the test of faith. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. And they, the people of God, will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people. And they will say, the Lord's is our God. The test of faith. Let's pray. This morning, before I am back to the worship team and then your pastor to close off the message, and thank you for your patience in listening. 
I'm giving an invite for you to receive Jesus. You might say, huh, what, I'm signing up for tests? I'm signing up for God to deal with the issues of my life. Yeah, that's what I'm asking you to sign up for. And I'm telling you today, friends, that if you will give yourself to a loving heavenly father's hand, if you will willingly submit to him, I'm I'm telling you, he will do something with your life that you wouldn't believe. He will bring a productivity from your life that only he can bring. And so I'm unabashed this morning. I'm saying, if you'd like me to pray for you, I'm not going to ask you to come out, shout your name out, stand up, but simply while we're all praying. So Phil, will you pray for me this morning? I want to really enter into faith in Jesus. I'm ready for what God wants to do in my life. If you'll raise your hand and put it down again. Thank you. Thank you. And across there. Thanks. You can put it down again. And across there to my right. Thank you. Anybody else this morning saying, I'm ready for it? Thank you. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yes, at times it's uncomfortable. I can't say any other. Sometimes it's inexplainable. But I'm, I'm here as a testament today, friends, of saying that I've given myself to the test of faith. I don't regret it. I don't wish I could turn the clock back because a loving father knows exactly what he is doing with your life. And I believe here there's tremendous potential yet for the kingdom. I believe people are hearing the call of God. I believe people are responding to the Lord. I believe people are stepping into something new in their faith. Yes, I believe that Arena Mansfield can become the most passionate local church in the whole of this North Nottinghamshire area that will attract people, that will drive in from the villages and that will come in from the estates that we've prayed about today because they're realising that as God is doing something in you, they want God to do something in them. The failed answers of the world. The easy issues of life that get people in addiction and bondage, they're not the answers anymore. He's come to set us free. And if you will yield to him and let him fashion your faith and make it much more precious than gold, he'll do an amazing work in Jesus' name. Five, six, seven people that have raised their hands this morning. I'm specifically praying for you right now. I'm asking that the Holy Spirit will come to you. You may even feel sort of like a, something stirring in your heart, in, in your innards. It's the Holy Spirit. You may even feel some, some heat hitting you. Uh, and it's the Spirit of God. <clears throat> and yield to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God and the love of God will never do us harm. Yield to them. Don't be that distant believer, but that devoted disciple. And I'm praying right now, Lord, right across this room as people have responded that you will do a work in them that will change them forever. And we confess across Arena Mansfield today, Lord, we're up for the tests. We're up for what you want to do with us so that you'll bring us to the refined place of what you've called us to be as a church in this town and beyond. And may you do amazing things for Jesus' sake. Come on, let's give Phil a great round of applause for a brilliant...